Partnering with RTE on climate is not enough. AIB, we pledge to do more. Welcome to episode four of Dirty Laundry. We recorded this live from the Ruby Room in the Dillon Hotel with the amazing French designer Roland Moray. I'm not going to lie, before this chat, I thought, what on earth do you wear when you're meeting an incredibly successful fashion designer? And I decided to wear an outfit I designed myself, which looking back on was possibly a bit narcissistic of me, but it did make for a good conversation starter. Please don't judge me off this outfit and the paint. I want, I want, I'm not Literally for fun. I'm not judging anybody. Who am I to judge? Please, please. Uh, We're all trying our best. It's great great that a young person like you take the lead and and learn from from your experience, you Mm -hmm. know, it's it's no more or less. We all tried our best. Absolutely. And that's it. Even with this, like, I, I, you know, you can get so many blazers in charity shops. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can cut it, make it into... To make a two-piece yeah. and so that's because like, I, I love blazers but I have possibly too many and I'm a di- bit addicted to whenever I find a designer one I just buy it even if yeah. it doesn't fit because <laughs> it's so it should, cheap it should fit at the end everything or, or you can, you can make it. it fit you make it fit I love like upcycling and making things bigger because usually especially with vintage it's hard yeah. to kind of get stuff in my size but you know I never knew you could like take things out until yes, a couple of years yes. ago Yes, because most of if you go, depending which period of, of time you you going, but uh, before the before the 70s, they were leaving a lot of fabric inside to to play with it because the outfit was supposed to last really long in your life. Mm-hmm. That's when you were supposed to buy it really young and to alterate it for your life. I think the beginning of uh, ready to wear start to create the he- the, the, the the seam allowance at one centimeter and a half mm-hmm. which is something that you can you can really alter it but Chanel as an example all the suit of Chanel are made that you can there is enough seam allowance that you can go all your life through really? the same jacket yeah and so you mean there's enough material inside, inside that you yeah, can make in it the, bigger yeah in the seam allowance oh yeah. my god yeah. wow that's amazing but but that changed that changed after uh, you know in the seventies when they start to mass produce and mm. and consider that if you keep things too long you don't buy enough. Mm, okay, that's how we happen from a business side of things. Everything is about business. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I want to start with I mean your history. I mean you're such a successful designer and and what fashion means to you. And we've seen your designs on the likes of Meghan Markle, Reese Witherspoon, just to name a few. Many incredible celebrities for years. But what truly is amazing that you're self-taught and yes. um, tell me what fascinated you with the industry why you got involved in it and maybe who are some of your favorite people that you've dressed with over the years uh in a funny way i was seven years old uh, in the village in that village in the pyrenees near Lourdes, where um, my father was a butcher and my father wanted me to be a, the son of a butcher and to become the next butcher and straight away i and consciously i start to learn the power of fabric on the body how much fabric can trap you or free you of situation. That's when uh, I hated the fact I was going to become, or my father wanted me to become a butcher, but I was the only kid in the village wearing a white long apron touching the floor, mm-hmm. which was quite a magical moment of, of fabric on, on a young kid. It, it's so unique, you know, when, when something that you don't have in common with other people. And... And the way you use it, the way you fold it when it's dirty, the way you you, you, you work with that piece of fabric when, when you work with it. 
and my life took me from different routes. I, I really escaped the family. I really make my rebellion time where I said, no, I will never own, I will never be a butcher. I went to Paris, enjoyed 10 years of clubbing in Paris. Yeah. The 80s. I say that was something the else. 80s. What do you want more? The oh. 80s. <laughs> At Le Palace in Paris, every night I was there. And wow. uh, I learned life. I, I learned a certain kind of life. At the age of 30, uh, I didn't want to live anymore in Paris and I moved to London. Uh, in London, I did different journey of life. I, I opened a bar in the West End. Uh, I was a stylist. I direct promos for videos. And at the age of 36, I realized if we, I didn't try to be a fashion designer, I would become a bitter person. Bad mouthing the young one would, would try to, to be a fashion designer. And I started like that. Mm -hmm. I, I bought a sewing machine, pushed the sofa, put a sewing machine in the in, in, on, on the on the counter of the kitchen, and start to sew or trying to sew. Mm. I um, bought a sewing machine from. I posted on my Instagram. I was like, "Does anyone have a secondhand sewing machine?" And I ended up buying one for fifty euro. It was like a singer because um, I I did do a dressmaking course when I was about twenty one, but I don't think I had the patience for it. I was very much like, "What do you mean? Like if I'm." you know, this centimeter this way, it's not going to work. I was like, it'll work, it'll be fine. So I don't think it was the right time for me to be getting involved in it at that time. But now I'm older and I think I've got more patience in life. But I'm doing a sewing... It's, it's all about the learning process. It, it is. It's about experience. Yeah. When I started, I never went to school. I never went to a fashion school. I didn't know how to, to make an outfit. I had uh, an amount of years of experience of other things. I was a, a model when I was young. Uh, because I become a stylist, uh, I knew the fashion world. Mm. But I think we all have a talent, we all have a gift of, the, of life, and my, my gift is my hands. Uh, I can fold, I can touch. I, uh, I learn life from my hands. As a son of a butcher, I touch so much flesh in my life, like from mm. bone, uh, muscle and fat. I'm not a fattest. That's me. I, can't, I have no problem to touch people. I, it, it, it's something... It, it, what was resonating in my life is when I, when I drape an outfit, because I never draw, I drape it all the time, 360 degrees, a piece of fabric, and I take all of them a square, like a, a, the butcher apron that I drape around the female form. Mm. And so did you just, did it take you very long to actually be able to put a dress together that you really liked? It took me a few, it took me a few weeks to, to drape, to, uh, to start to, uh, I reject all the first job, all the first drape because I thought it was all the time too, too much an inspiration of the people I loved at the time, which was which were uh, Yoji Yamamoto and Azizinalaya. That's mean every time I was draping, I said, oh, that's too much, Yoji. I throw it away, throw it away. Okay. And after a couple of weeks, the first dress started to come along in my work and say, oh, that's me. Yeah. That's really me. So you had to find your style. Yeah. Yeah. And I gave myself three years of doing collection without selling. I really wanted to have a selfish moment of life because I knew the moment it will start, the moment I will decide to sell, it won't stop. Mm. That's why I wanted to, these three years that I think every, every young person will have as a student in school, I wanted to have these three years as privately to me, I'm going to do six collections in my life where I will never sell, but I'm going to enjoy them. Mm. Of course, after free collection, you're near bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have to make a move and decide to really fit in the business. But it was such an amazing experience. It was such a, such a, a unique uh, moment of 
control and independence and, and, and freedom, everything all together. Mm. And who, is there anyone in particular that's been your favourite that has worn your dresses? Um, none. No, none? Stop your question. No, You're no, all but, raging. No, because, because it's, it's all about a unique experience. It's all about meeting the person. It's all about... Uh, uh, it's it's like loving someone you will never compare someone you love to all the other people you love in your life you know I get it's, you. it's that one to one situation and and all the all the women i dress in my life from famous to unfamous are, are, are really they really bring something to me that is so unique that doesn't even doesn't need to be publicized. You know, yeah. I never talk about my relationship with celebrities. I would never talk about my relationship with Megan as an mm. example. It's private. Yeah, it's you treat your friend mm-hmm. the way you want to be treated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now going back to how you create nature, you don't use like mood boards or sketching yeah. pads, as you were saying. And you said previously that nature gives you a lot of inspiration. Yeah. Um, has the national environment always been important to your designs? And does this um, a- appreciation for nature come from growing up in the countryside? I fight for many years as a young person the fact I was coming from the mountains. I was coming from a part of France that was not a, a massive city. And and you spend these years of lying to yourself to try to fit a role in going to a club and pretend to be that person that you're not. To be because, a city kid. Yeah, you're a city kid. And, and, and there is a moment when you stop to live by night and you start to live by day. You have to be honest with yourself. The concept of light in your life, you know, is the symbol of, of uh, uh, fake light at night and real light at daytime. You have to feed that light mm. and you have to accept where you come from and you have to accept what, what, what feed you, the roots of your life. And countryside and the fact that I'm a country boy, not even I'm a country boy. Mm. I was born... I was raised with animals in the mountain. I was raised with with that, that, that smell of cow shit. You know, <laughs> I was I was raised with every element that make me someone that that feel really comfortable with human being because I'm never faced by people or by or by their success. Nothing touched me because I know where I come from. Mm-hmm. And I mean, fashion is. Um, you've said before a quote that I'm going to say back to you so I hope you don't mind fashion is all about change for you yet you prefer to evolve because that's what happens to our bodies and in nature Um, do you think that this new call for sustainability within fashion is a natural evolution in fashion and was going to happen eventually? I think sustainability has been approached I remember in the 70s already the the, the questioning of of the future of our planet was raised on TV and, 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 and news you know and nobody wanted to react even three years ago you talking about sustainability was still just a trend mm. and uh, and the privilege of, of certain people to talk about it uh the problem is so present now it's so there that sustainability is what we talk from the morning to the evening unconsciously we talk all the time from from the pro- the problem of of Brexit or the problem of uh, 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 politics, but straight away you talk about the flooding in north of, north of England, you know, as as a reality of of climate crisis, mm. and automatically climate crisis exists because the way we've been consumed 
for the last 50 years since, since the, the Green Re uh, Revolution uh, after war. Uh, it's, it's a situation that for, uh, for years we, we, we took it for granted and, and nobody felt guilt at it. We didn't really care. It's not a question of caring. We didn't realize how eminent was the problem. You know, uh, my generation is the generation of designer that we we went from two collection to six collection a year. That's mean we we really triple every season our work. Uh, we went from fashion to fast fashion or, or addictive fashion. You know, we treated we treated fashion like uh, like a shot. You know, a shoot of, of drugs. You know, like the eat bag, the eat girl, the eat place. Everything was like if you don't have it you're not going to be happy. That's, and, and yes, we're living in a society we're still addicted to, 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 to the past. And addiction, the only way to move on is to accept, to, 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 to really detox. We're going to a detox period. And detox is not easy. It's painful to let it go the, of the past and, and, the, and the pleasure of the past. Mm. I've never heard it been put that way before but it makes total sense <laughs> but you as a young yeah. person you, you you will understand because yeah. you you're dealing with with youth and you're dealing what is put on the table to youth to yeah. to use and abuse mm. there is a price to everything mm, there is not every, you can't have your cake and eat it unfortunately no. oh if you eat it you have to pay the price yeah it. yeah exactly the, the cake is not free yeah and we were just talking about paint. My jacket's got paint mm. on it. And you were asking what kind of paint it is yes. and with the toxins there. So speak, you obviously know so much. I mean, you have to. About I don't. I don't. I'm just questioning because I can see in someone young like you the, the rebellious side of what you try to, to define to attract the the eye to sustainability and mm. you could do the wrong thing by using the wrong product yeah, yeah. because we all have the same problem. We don't know. Oh, sorry, we don't know at all uh, what's right and wrong. Yeah, you know, I I did a project which I'm so proud of. I, I launched that that hanger in, in the blue uh, hanger. The blue yeah, hanger. Yeah, well, actually, tell me about the blue hanger project. You know, the, the blue hanger is the hanger that, as a consumer, you will never see. It's the one that go from the the the, the factory to the store okay. to carry the outfit. It's the one that goes after two months to the bin. And you were saying that hangers are like the plastic straws of the fashion yes. industry. And so what happens is it gets shipped from wherever it's been made. From one then... place to another one and you throw it away. Yeah. And that hanger, uh, we find a way to, to, uh, to make it short, to, to come out with a 100% a sustainable uh, 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 hanger that is made of oceanic plastic. That's been plastic that you pull out of the sea. And, and we have found a way to... With, with archer nooks to, to make that, that plastic 100% recyclable. If it breaks, you, you can remold it at the same quantity of plastic because normally the one existing now in polystyrene, you just can use 20% of it to uh -huh. make another, another hanger. You have to add all the time 80% of new plastic. That's, what, that's where we, we, the questioning of that hanger is the equivalent of the plastic straw. And when you come to, 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 to that project my biggest frustration is you couldn't see a difference between that good solution and the bad plastic hanger that you can't see a difference mm. you can't it's, it's so similar and you just question why we didn't do that 20 years ago yeah 
And when did you start the Blue... When have you launched Blue Hagger? Was it during London Fashion Week this year? Yes, this year. And so you had it as part of um, your collections. And then I've seen that you were trying to get some of your fellow designers, I guess, Which to I use would it. Like, not some, all my fellow designers. Yeah, because of course. I really think it's, it's amazing what I've done, but it's nothing if none... If all of us don't come together. Mm. Because the only way we're going to make a difference is all of us. I was lucky to make one dream becoming reality by meeting Archer Noobs. It was a dream. And how did that come about? Did you... through, through the British Fashion Council. That was a good thing the British Fashion Council introduced me to, is a young company that just wants to do sustainable products. Mm. And so then you went to them, then you both decided to... Oh, we were, we talk a lot. We yeah. we negotiate a lot the price of the, of, of that anger, you know, and uh, and to find a way to make it. And, and But the guys are in their 30s, they're really young believers and, and they want to to have a company based on values and not on product. And I guess I don't want to... I'm assuming here, in terms of price... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, from a, the perspective of other designers, maybe they're like, oh, it could be too expensive. But really, it's not if you're not buying it as often then. No, not- but the, the point is, 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 is in that industry, when when you sell an outfit, let's say from from contemporary product, which is 500 to 600 pounds, to, to luxury, which is 1,500 pounds, the hanger we, we invest uh, is 20p. Mm. This one costs. Is costing forty one p. Wow, that's thing we can absorb. There's no excuse there. There is no excuse, but we there is a price to sustainability for everybody. And on that, I'm not sure if you know what happened with Prada, um, how Prada have been uh, like the one of the first to sign. Um, I don't really know too much about yeah. it, so maybe you'd be able to. If you do know, yeah. you could help me know. Um, but they're the one of the first luxury brands to sign a 42.0 million pound loan um, tied to sustainability targets. Basically, it means Prada have to meet certain social environmental goals, specifically three of them. One is um, looking at the physical um, us, shops. Yes. And um, with, um, with a certain number of them need to be certified gold and platinum according to the Green Building Rating System Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. Another one is educating their staff and having particular training hours on sustainability. And yeah, Everything you're saying is true. But the, and I think there is one thing that we have to consider in the future of, of, of uh, this planet and the future, the future of our, our uh, uh, race is we are the problem, but we are the solution. Mm. And one of the, the points of the solution is empathy, is to help someone who has less power than you. and Yes, so you're saying that some of that money should go towards course. helping young and up-and-coming. But not just product. Every, every, big group ever, every big group have a responsibility to help a younger one, a younger designer we're going to start. Because what is the future in the market that's, that shrinking is the only future? Is that the big group own all the market and mm. there is no more young designers? Mm-hmm. You, we have to question that. Mm. the future is about value is mm. to help not to own is how can we help to become better 
So the loans like that are being given out by banks yeah. really should be looking at the yeah. up-and-coming designers that maybe are already trying to, well, yeah. are, have started off as being sustainable. Uh, like one thing is sure, with Arch and Oaks and an amazing company, and they deserve to make profit of the sales, but I have no financial investment on, on the hangar. Wow. I don't want to make money of it. Yeah. And I'm expecting the bigger group to do the same thing that me. We've been lucky for the last 20 years to be self-centered, to think about how successful we can be. Now we have a, we have a responsibility to give back. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting all this big group to be able to really give back and not on a selection of designer that, designer that think they are talented or a pure marketing tool. I'm expecting them to put the money where it needs for this world to be still a world for the young generation. Mm, absolutely. And where do you think where do you think things are going to go? What's um, what's the future of fashion? Do you think these fast fa- um, fashion and high street brands are going to change? They got, do you think they have to to survive? We are we are in in detox time. We are like I say, we went from from uh, a kind of a drug addict addiction period to detox. Uh, we're going to. Uh, we're going to question. We're going to question a lot. We're, we're going to have different kind of solutions that are going... Some of them are going to be just symbolic and some of them are going to have a, a, a strong uh, uh, change on, the, on our future. We need to be... Like I said, if we are the problem, we are the solution. Empathy is the best solution. Mm. It's help. Help someone else be there and if we shape ourselves to to be ready when the problem will be really here we will be ready our big uh, the big reality of now we're not ready that's the that's that's the only Mm. visual aspect of what's happening we are not ready to to face it why don't we start to be ready yeah so people, yeah, the people are and ready talk, to accept. Pledge yourself. Pledge yourself. Like, pledge yourself uh, if you live in a village to go to see the uh, the the the, the uh, grocery or to see the the lit, little guy who sell who sell a lot the fruit and veg in plastic and say, how many of us in the village do you need that will come with their own taps for you not to 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 sell to sell your veg or your food in plastic in plastic tabs. You have to pledge yourself. Mm. You have, because alone is impossible. All together, it's possible. That's yeah. when we have to pledge. Yeah. I think that's why it's good. With pe- Sometimes people say that, oh, it's not just the people, though. The corporations have to change. But the corporations change because the people. Yes, so, I agree with you. Yeah. Anyway. I think we're going to wrap up. This has been the best. You were saying you love my job. I have to say my job's been pretty good today because I've gotten (laughs) to talk to you. But you are our future, guys. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, question question us. And and don't take our bullshit for granted. That's it from this episode of Dirty Laundry. You can follow me over on Instagram at Tara Stewart DJ and catch me every weeknight on 2FM with a brand new music show from 8pm. Until the next episode, I'll talk to you then. Partnering with RTE on climate is not enough. AIB, we pledge to do more.